Hi everybody and welcome to episode 11 of Walk to Work podcast where I talk about dance, music and stuff. Uh, today I would like to talk about Alexander Technique. I'm pretty excited because it will be less ranty and hopefully less rambly uh, than I have been in the past few episodes. Uh, it's also a bit windy so we'll see how that works out. Alexander Technique is, uh, so previously I've talked about how body mechanics are useful for dancing. Uh, Alexander Technique kind of fits into that. It's sort of the, one of the methods uh, for finding, uh, I guess better posture would be one way of phrasing it. Although both posture and better in the context of posture uh, are kind of bad words or contentious. Uh, Another way would be to say Uh, that it's a way of improving the use of our body. And again, here we have improving, uh, which suggests there's a a better and a worse, and that's uh, maybe improving the use to better match the function uh, would be a a better way, I guess. Uh, And another other way of thinking about it is uh, we require agency and consent in our interactions with other people and with the world. And somehow, in our use of our body, um, we don't have that demand, which is a little bit odd when you think about it. Um, so, for example, I've noticed when I'm talking, I can talk, like, I can be in pretty much any position, any situation, and in order to talk, I just talk. Whereas, if I want to sing, before I sing, I go, <gasps> I, I take in a breath. And I, I've tried actually singing in a way that, um, so I'm a little bit self-conscious about my singing and I've tried to sing in a way that I feel kind of proud of um, without doing that automatic breath intake beforehand and I just literally cannot produce a sound, it's quite mystifying and it's something I'm working on um, with my Alexander Technique uh, teacher and so this intake of breath that I do before singing is not something I've consented to and you can check on that on a bunch of um, basically uh, accompanying things that happen that you do when you do something like when you brush your teeth unless you've thought about it chances are that you quite uh, tighten uh, and stiffen your neck Uh, when you get up from a chair chances are that you kind of go in some way uh, with some part of your of your body or your arms um, or your throat uh, yeah you can check it out and see uh, and so that kind of fits into a lot of what Alexander's about uh, Alexander Technique is about uh, noticing the kind of things that piggyback along with uh, our movement uh, the patterns of use that kind of aren't necessary uh, and Um, getting rid of them. So why does that work? Um, Kind of one of the premises or one of the ways of framing the fundamental premises of Alexander Technique is you start off with um, so you start off uh, with you're born uh, and like all animals you have this uh, thing that's uh, the primary function and this primary function is kind of your anti-gravity Uh, It allows you to use your skeleton uh, and have your head, like if you look at any baby, their head is really nicely stacked on top of their spine 
and requires almost no effort in the neck whatsoever. Which is quite fortunate because babies' heads are quite large compared to the rest of their bodies. And so having the, the, um, the, the, the neck strength to hold that head there in some other way would be pretty challenging. Um, and this is the system, the system that fights gravity and simultaneously um, allows you to do other things. Uh, like breathing effortlessly, like speaking, uh, like doing things with your limbs, with your arms, with your legs. Um, that's a, a system that kind of works on its own uh, and doesn't need any interference from us. And what happens over the course of uh, a life, and maybe especially a life in the Western Hemisphere uh, or in the Northern Hemisphere, or basically uh, where we um, do a lot of sitting, um, where we have quite uh, stressful constraints, uh, our emotions um, uh, bring us a bunch of things. Um, we don't uh, use our body to a very full extent in a day-to-day -day life. Uh, a variety of reasons that I don't know to what extent Alexander uh, gets into the why of that or cares overly much. Um, so instead I'll go with, uh, we'll, we'll ignore that. And so we, we acquire some habits, uh, like my taking in a breath or having a stiff neck. And these habits, what they tend to do is they get away of uh, the primary function. Is it primary function or primary control? I cannot remember right now. We'll pretend it's primary function. And if it turns out it was primary control, well, that's what it was. Uh, and they, 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 not only are they there, but uh, their presence uh, blocks the primary function from um, uh, exercising properly. And th this primary function is kind of a relationship between the spine and the neck and the head uh, that allows everything else to follow and to fall in place. And if you disrupt that, then when you have other kind of disruptions happening, uh, you're using other forms of habit to compensate and make things work rather than allowing the primary function to take over. So what Alexander is about is noticing those habits and inhibiting them. So in, by inhibiting, uh, it means not replacing the habits with other habits. So say you notice when uh, you're angry with your computer for some reason or someone on the other end of, a, of the internet from your computer and let's say it's just your computer, you're trying to make it do something. Uh, what I do then is kind of, uh, my head scrunches up forward and my neck juts out, or my neck scrunches and my head juts out, something like that. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to fix you, computer problem thing. Uh, um, and so if I were to uh, think, oh, I'm going to, instead of that, I'm going to keep my head nice and my neck nicely long and on top of each other um, or I'm going to keep good posture while doing that there I'd be trying to replace one habit with another habit and this other habit might be slightly better but is going to have just as much an interfering uh, with uh, the primary function as uh, the worse habits as it were so the goal is not to replace bad habits with better habits
uh, it is to replace habits with no habits. And that allows the primary function to take over um, and allows us to, 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 to figure out. Um, it's also interesting to think of it as consent. Like it's the, the, the same way that um, because we're reasoned creatures, humans, uh, we're all like, if someone hits me, I can exercise self-control and not hit them back immediately. Uh, or if I feel anger, I don't have to immediately express something uh, in response. Uh, and inhibition is a little bit like a delayed response. Um, some stimulus in the world, uh, I notice that it makes me want to shorten my neck in some way or to jut my neck out. Uh, and I choose to exercise consent as to whether I allow that to happen or not. And as long as I prevent it from happening, I'm letting uh, primary control take over. So, um, there are two interesting things that are uh, further related uh, when you're working on this. Uh, one is that um, our proprioception is quite unreliable. So, assuming you've been, have some kind of habit that causes you to not stand up straight. Uh, if that habit uh, registered with you as I'm not standing straight, I'm not standing straight, I'm not standing straight, I'm not standing straight, constantly, every day, uh, it would be a pretty challenging habit to get rid of. So instead, uh, you tend to have a slight awareness that you're not standing straight, but it's not something that, uh, that, that uh, you have full awareness of. And that means that as soon as you were, for example, um, at some point standing straight, you'd figure, oh, uh, this feels weird. Um, and uh, Over time, maybe you'd be able to adapt uh, your perception of how you're standing to standing straight feels good. But generally, you would expect it to be quite untrustworthy and you would instead go for the process of how to achieve standing straight uh, and assume that the result of that process is a good result. And that brings me to the, the other point. Uh, so, shortcutting, uh, that process is called the means whereby uh, in, by Alexander. And I'm not entirely sure uh, yet what he means by that. But it's basically, it means using processes to achieve goals. Uh, using processes to let the primary function take over. Rather than trying to achieve the goals by ourselves. Um, uh, which is referred to as end-gaining. So I could end gain stand up straight, and two things would go wrong with that. One is that I would use my stand up straighting habits, and that would uh, still uh, prevent primary control from functioning, primary function from functioning effectively. And two, my uh, perception of whether I'm standing straight or not is most likely unreliable, uh, and so trusting it uh, is kind of a mistake. And so there what we do is instead of end-gaining towards the, the, the result we want to achieve, we figure out what the next step is. Uh, and so often in order to go up, so to release the head up, uh, the first step is to release the sacrum and the heels down. And as that down goes into the ground, the up kind of happens. Whereas if you try to go for up straight away, uh, where you sort of tense your neck in the other direction, that doesn't work out so well. So the, the way that I came across Alexander Technique to start off with 
uh, was I'd been working uh, with Brenda and Catherine in dance mode camps and they'd been using Franklin Method. Um, part of it was to gain awareness of the internal movement of the uh, pelvis, which is useful in everyday life, and uh, also uh, in blues and African dancing. And especially the idea that the sacrum mutates against the rest of the pelvis in the SI joint. So the SI joint is mobile um, and it serves a kind of, the sacrum hangs in there and serves as a kind of suspension for the rest of the spine. And having that mutation happen uh, allows some uh, extra suspension to go into the pelvic floor uh, to uh, absorb shock and also to initiate movement that involves the whole spine. And otherwise, uh, your SI joint is stuck, and so that inhibits, uh, prevents movement up and down the spine and prevents good use of the pelvic floor in absorption. And probably has some other uh, undesirable consequences. But I was there, got to be able to move my sacrum, got to be able to move my sacrum. It was pretty resolute against moving, because uh, having a tight SI joint uh, is praised by many people for some reason. Uh, not good, many people, not good. Or at least not in my opinion. Um, and one of the things about um, uh, Alexander is that it kind of considers the body as a whole rather than a sum of parts. Uh, and so kind of that primary thing of lengthening the spine is a very holistic thing. Uh, what was happening for me was uh, I wasn't releasing my sacrum down, I wasn't releasing my neck up, so the whole spine was kind of shortening uh, and that chain was preventing mobility in the SI joint. Uh, and it was only once my spine, once from, uh, through uh, tango classes that involved Alexander technique, that allowed my head to release up and my neck to release, that uh, the, the, the muscles that were kind of keeping my SI joint in place or preventing it from moving uh, allowed it to, to actually gain some mobility. And that was kind of the first clue for me, oh, there's something really interesting going in here with this Alexander technique. Uh, the other really interesting thing was the difference between Greg with a release neck and Greg with a not release neck was actually something that I was not able to perceive directly. Like I could see that there was obviously a difference because uh, I could feel the mutation in my sacrum, but I couldn't tell when uh, my tango uh, slash Alexander teacher at the time would say, that's good, versus when he would say, let your neck release. Uh, and even now, uh, sometimes I'm quite surprised as to whether uh, my Alexander teacher is uh, feeling like I'm achieving the thing he's wanting me to achieve or uh, feeling like I'm not achieving it and be like, nope, try again. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting slightly better at that. Uh, so yeah, proprioception improves, but kind of slowly. Um, then I took uh, some more tango classes with the same teacher and it was really interesting for teaching tango uh, but again quite disorienting because it's a lot of sort of doing a thing and not really being quite sure what you're doing. And again because of the whole end gaining problem if you feel like you've achieved some kind of change between beginning of class and end of class uh, the interesting thing is not how it felt before and how it felt after and to kind of memorize how it feels now because this memorization of how it feels now is faulty. Um, instead, you have to work on the process by which you got to it. Um, and that's a, that's a weird one to work on, especially when you're not really, when you feel like you're stagnating. 
but I felt like it was also good personal improvement for me uh, to kind of work on frustrating things uh, and to believe in processes and hope that it would all work out. And it, it has, like I've seen really interesting things happen with my singing. I took some specific uh, classes to work on singing, to work on posture in general, and that was really useful. And since moving to Edinburgh, I've been, uh, about three months ago, I started taking uh, regular weekly classes uh, with a, an Alexander Technique uh, teacher, and I'm really excited about the results. Uh, like they're hugely visible, uh, my singing changes, uh, my awareness of my posture and my habits and my ability to inhibit those habits uh, is noticeable at work, uh, while sitting, while standing, while walking, also while dancing. Uh, and recently I went to a dance camp for a week, Mountain Blues Camp, uh, and that was literally the best improvement in my dancing I've ever seen in a week. Uh, and I think part of that was me. And part of that was also having worked on this uh, Alexander Technique. So that's kind of my story with Alexander Technique and why I'm really uh, excited about it. Um, and I also want to mention a few things that um, are the, the methods uh, that are used. So different teachers will presumably use different methods um, and also will, depending on what they feel that you need most, uh, will apply any of these methods to you. Uh, and the trick is that getting rid of habits in our day-to-day -day activities. Day-to-day um, -day activities are pretty complex and we have a lot of habits. Uh, so a lot of time is, tends to be spent on very simple things. Uh, so standing, uh, sitting, holding things, reaching for things, bending over and picking things up, uh, lying down. Um, uh, so constructive rest is one of the things that's used a lot. Uh, it's kind of the idea is to find a new neutral and to work on letting gravity um, do its part and letting the body, uh, the, primary, um, uh, the primary function, uh, respond to gravity. Is you lie on your back with your knees, with your feet on the flat on the floor and your knees up and you let gravity do its thing and you let your body do its thing in response. And the more your body gives itself up, to gravity, the more it can expand uh, in all directions. Uh, and then from there you can then get up and see like how are things different? Uh, well, what, what's the effect? How does it feel? Uh, be careful about that one. And also kind of examine the relationship between the different parts of your body. And that's what a teacher will uh, kind of do. One is find the next thing for you and the other is uh, to kind of suggest uh, very gently the different parts of your body, how they can relate to each other. So you might think, hey, uh, if I just kind of poke and nudge at the head, bring it slightly out of balance, it's be like, oh yeah, I can, I can re-establish that balance without actually having to engage the neck or work really hard at it. Um, what other kinds of things? Yeah, and the goal of all these things uh, was something that I, I, I found a quote from Alexander recently that I found really interesting. Is you might think the goal is to get sit down and get out of a chair, and to do that well. Uh, and to some extent, I mean, yes, like if you sit sit down and stand up uh, 30 times in a day, uh, doing it well is better than not doing it well. But the the goal is to be able to notice how if you inhibit your habit, if you notice your habits, you're able to inhibit them. And if you let the primary function take over, 
uh, it's really weird. At first, it feels like there's no way I'm ever getting out of this chair without going, <laughs> uh, and then you realize that actually uh, you can, and it's, yeah, it's quite weird and wonderful. Um, I have some more thoughts about Alexander, but it's getting a bit long, and I think the, the, the more thoughts I have will take up also kind of a whole episode. Uh, I'd like to talk some of the specific work my teacher's doing about the difference between awareness and attention, uh, and how I see that as kind of making choices uh, as to the use of our body and our uh, ability to kind of make decisions in the world, which is a little bit philosophical and... Uh, yeah, kind of want to get into that next time, or in a couple of episodes. Um, so yeah, if you are curious about Alexander Technique, hit me up. We can find a teacher. Uh, also kind of discuss what style of teacher makes you comfortable versus uncomfortable. Uh, I've experienced like at least four very different uh, styles of Alexander, um, all of which have actually made me equally comfortable and uncomfortable in ways that I appreciate, but I could easily see people... Uh, finding an Alexander teacher that really doesn't suit them. Um, so yeah, uh, try it out. I'm pretty convinced that anybody, especially anyone who's a dancer, will see amazing differences. Uh, so like, go for it. And tell me how it works out. Uh, and until next time, uh, take care. <laughs>